you can follow on your devices or on the screen above. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen. Good morning, Edgewater. My name is Lisa. I'm one of the pastors here at New Mercy. Um, you probably don't see me around much because I'm um, part of the 1030 service where um, I go with my um, four children. Um, and you, um, for those of you who don't know, um, Pastor Wanjay, who was here last week, um, is my husband. <laughs> but um, yes, so a lot happened this past week. Um, it was three members of my family's birthday. My sister, my youngest sister, who lives in Florida, my mother, who lives in Florida with her. They have back-to-back -back birthdays on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then also my father-in-law's birthday was this past Saturday. So, um, And they're all away, so we didn't celebrate with them, but, you know, phone calls, things like that. Um, also, the, um, the Thailand team came back, as Pobe mentioned. And also, um, woo this... Um, <laughs> um, but also, um, we ended up sending my second son, Micah, and um, third child, Eden, to Ivory Coast. And they're um, part of the Mercy Global team. Um, and it's actually their first time going without one of us. So it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> they're only um, 15, and, uh, 15 and 14. And so uh, we entrusted our youth pastor to take him, Pastor Josh. And um, so pray for them, please. Um, we already heard back from them because Ivory Coast, their big thing is um, malaria um, and so um, and yellow, I guess yellow fever because they have to take yellow fever vaccinations. But already my daughter's like, I got two huge bug bites on my face, like on the first day they were there. So, um, yeah, but we're not freaking out. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but pray for them. Pray for the team. They're doing a lot of ministry um, and it's a pretty large team also. Um, but also this week. Um, I heard some great news, um, kids being born. We have like a baby boom at our church. There's so many kids being born. Um, also, but also um, people starting new jobs, um, people moving, things like that, into new houses. It's, it's been great. Um, but also 
the opposite, where um, we heard some awful news, actually. Um, people's parents getting sick, people who have sick children, um, and even two deaths in the family. And so um, through it all, I kept asking God, how do you want me to pray? Um, I was so caught up in kind of the emotions, the um, the hardship of how I was feeling that um, I couldn't really get a good perspective. And so um, this passage that I'm talking about is is something that's really convicted me this past week. And um, if you can pray with me as we look at it together. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here to um, teach us. We pray that you would encourage us to uh, look deeper into your word. Would you challenge us, Father God, to see through eyes of faith? We thank you so much for this time. We give you all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. So as many of you might remember back in February of 2015, there's a great debate over a picture of a dress. People saw either a blue and black dress or a white and gold dress. Any of you guys remember? It was this big, huge thing on the internet, right? That was back in 2015. The dress came into public attention when the woman, when a woman, she was attending a Scottish wedding, she posted a picture of what she was going to wear, and she was kind of shocked because she posted a picture on the Thursday. She was kind of shocked and confused when her friends kind of commented that, hey, um, that white and gold dress looks amazing. And she was like, wait a second, this is a black and blue dress. <laughs> and so um, it earned a lot of attention because in that first half hour, comments started popping up on BuzzFeed. If it's not gold, my entire life has been a lie. <laughs> and it quickly sparked a global debate. And as of Friday, the very next day, that dress, that picture had been viewed over 28 million times, according to the New York Times. That's crazy, right? In one day, 28 million times, and people were having arguments about, is that blue or black or white and gold? Um, Daniel Orpian, a professor of biochemistry at Brandeis University, he actually studies spectra. I had to look this up because it's actually the study of visible light dispersed according to wavelength by a prism. Did you guys know what the spectra was? Now you know. Um, he said about this dress debate, it really brought home the fact in a very personal way for many people that there really are no colors out there in the outside world. Colors, he said, are something we make up in our heads. Uh, mind blown, right? Right? Um, it's... It was really found, actually, by the dress manufacturer. They said, we don't even make that dress in white and gold. It's really blue and black, so now it's settled. It's really blue and black. But as I was researching, I saw the pictures. I keep seeing white and gold. <laughs> Me, personally, I don't know what you guys saw. But, however, this shows in a really real way, right? Um, for those of you who did see the pictures back in 2015, you can look it up later. Um, if you hadn't, but it shows in a real way that people can be really looking at the exact same thing, but because of perspective, they could have two very different conclusions. 
And that's exactly what Paul wants to emphasize here in the second Corinthians 4 passage we read today. He concludes in verse 18 by saying, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul reminds us that we need to live in light of an eternal perspective. And as we look at the passage, I want to highlight three points that if we continue to put on the glasses of faith, what would it look like? First, if we look with human eyes, our eyes are fixed on people and weaknesses, whereas if we look through eyes of faith, we see the power of Jesus. One more time. Human eyes fix our eyes on people and weaknesses, whereas faith highlights the power of Jesus. Verse 4, verse 7, I mean, says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all this, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You see, in the ancient world, Earthenware vessels were common in every home. There weren't many, they weren't very durable, unlike metal at the time. They were actually useless if they're broken, unlike glass that could be recycled, reheated, and used again, um, and melted down. They were, they were pretty cheap and had little intrinsic value. And so words to describe clay pots were... For example, common, cheap, breakable, easily replaced, virtually valueless. That's what people use. (laughs) Those are the words they use to describe clay pots. Um, To make a modern-day analogy so we can understand, um, clay pots were actually containers that they used to carry around food or water. So the equivalent today could be what? Like a plastic water bottle you know, that we just throw away after we drink, or maybe a paper bag you could get from Trader Joe's or Whole Foods. So, clay pot, water bottle, you know, plastic water bottle or throwaway paper bag. So why are we so foolish in thinking we can put our trust in human ability? Paul is saying we're like those clay jars. We think that we know best and we follow our own plan. It's like putting all our hope in that Poland spring water bottle. That would be ridiculous, right? It's so crazy. But that's what we do sometimes when we focus on ourselves or when we trust in ourselves. We could go down a dark path where we think, oh, no matter how I try, I'll never be good enough thinking of ourselves. Hey, I don't make a difference. I'm too average. I'm too ordinary. Again, focused on yourself. Or, hey, that person's useless. They're never going to change. Focus on weakness or on human frailty, right? Or sometimes we could even go so far as to ask, hey, what's in it for me? Or what can I get from this? That's all focused on self, on human frailty, on weaknesses, right? But God reminds us, don't focus on the jars of clay. Instead, put your glasses of faith on and look at the treasure inside. A couple of weeks ago, one day, my husband spoke about what treasure meant. Paul is reminding us that of Jesus' parables where he mentioned finding treasure. 
and selling all that you have, that precious pearl, um, in order to gain it. Those of us who believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins have this treasure inside of us. The gospel is this treasure, right? And the beautiful thing about verse 7 reminds us God put that treasure in an ordinary package, jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Two people who understood this very, very clearly, that it was all about God's power, not us. First person is Jim Elliott. I don't know if you know him. He's, he was a, a martyr who died at the very young age of 29. Him and his companions um, really um, wanted to share the gospel to the indigenous people in Ecuador, but they ended up being martyred. Um, he wrote, to describe himself and his co-workers who were martyred, he wrote, we're just a bunch of nobodies trying to exalt somebody. And the next person who really understood we're just jars of clay with treasure inside is Francis of Assisi. Do you guys know him? He's a great monk who founded the Franciscan Order. He's a patron saint of animals, uh, Francis of Assisi. He wrote, about himself Um, when asked how he was able to accomplish so much he said this may be why the Lord looked down from heaven and said where can I find the weakest littlest man on earth then he saw me and said I found him and he won't be proud of it he'll see that I'm only using him because of his insignificance and isn't that the ultimate freedom where you don't have to make it about ourselves. Instead, it can be about what God wants to do through you. We each have a calling, and God will empower us to fulfill that calling. And when we make it about God and his agenda, more power of the gospel shines through. God is saying the power of the gospel if you see through eyes of faith. So what is gospel power? I wanted to give some real-life examples, maybe bring it down to um, more practical things. The power of the gospel is the depressed young person that finds the strength to trust God one more day. What is the power of the gospel? It's that broken girl who decides to let go of bitterness and trust God enough to forgive the person who's been maybe emotionally and physically abusing her for years. What is the power of the gospel? It's that 30-something, 30-ish something couple, Bergen County couple with that 1.75 kids that decides not to make their whole life about being more comfortable or pursuing more fun and instead actually wrestles to maintain their relationship with God. That is the power of the gospel. Or lastly, it's the person who might see areas of weaknesses at church and instead of complaining, praise about it. God, what should we do? God, do you want me to help in some way? That is the power of the gospel. So this week, if you find yourself focusing too much on yourself, what's in it for me? What can I get out of it? Think to yourself, I'm not going to put my trust in a Poland spring bottle. 
Say that to yourself. Look, at, I say Poland Spring because I drink Poland Spring all the time. That's what I prefer. But substitute it for whatever water you drink, Evian, <laughs> Fiji, whatever. Don't put your trust in that. It's just a clay pot, easily breakable. Instead, I'm going to focus, think to yourself, I'm going to focus on the treasure inside. Ask God to show you how can he reveal the gospel power through me today. Second, human eyes focus on the circumstances, but eyes of faith focus on the hope of Jesus. Human eyes focus on circumstances, but eyes of faith focus on the hope of Jesus. Verse 8 through 9 says, we are pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Like I mentioned this week, I heard some really difficult news. I'm actually in charge of the prayer ministry at church, and so people text me all kinds of prayer requests, and I do encourage you to do that um, so we can pray for you. But families and parents who have terminal illnesses, people who are ill themselves or their children who need operations, and as I mentioned before, two deaths in the family, one grandparent and one... um, actually baby in utero it was horrible um and so life is hard and sometimes actually it really sucks um it's hard to the point where sometimes we doubt god hey where were you um why did you do that why did you allow that to happen we ask ourselves and unfortunately the truth is and the bible is very very clear on this that when sin entered the world so did suffering no one is exempt. Christians suffer, just, suffer and die just like non-Christians suffer and die. It's the same thing. It, if we only see um, with our physical eyes, we focus only on the dif- difficult circumstances. We get fixated on the hardships and the struggles, and we can become bitter and blame God. But that's why Paul is reminding us yet again, put on your glasses of faith. Human eyes say to look at the circumstances, but faith tells us to look at the hope of Jesus. A while back, a friend of mine, (laughs) um, an old friend from high school, posted something around Mother's Day to remind mothers to not get fixated on their circumstances, the hardship of, you know, raising newborns, and to change their perspective. But I think we can all learn from this list, and we can take the same principles. So I added a couple at the end. Maybe you guys can do also. So I'll read it to you. One side is the complaint, and the other side is a different perspective, what to be grateful for. Um, So the side where the complaint, messy house, everyone can relate to that, right? But the other side, what to be grateful for, a safe place to live. Too much laundry. I complain about this all the time to my girls. Their room is a mess. They have laundry everywhere. But I'm thankful they have clothes to wear. Dishes piled up. I can relate a house of six, so many dishes all the time. But I'm grateful that we have food to eat. Grocery shopping, yet again, the fridge is empty. But I'm thankful I have money to provide for the family. 
toilets to clean. Ah, no one, everyone hates to do that chore, right? But we should be thankful for indoor plumbing. Actually, two years ago, Ivory Coast team went to a village. They stayed overnight. They had to dig their own latrine so they could use it. We should be thankful for indoor plumbing, right? House is too noisy, but we should be thankful. We have children to love, a family that makes it noisy. Like I said, my second and third are away from the house. It's so quiet. It's so quiet. It seems like no one's there. What happened? I mean, my, my older daughter, she's the chatterbox. That's probably why it's so quiet. But no one's fighting. No, it's really quiet. But, you know, I'm, I'm thankful when they're all home, when, the, when they come back and they're all together. Endless questions from kids. Some of us with younger kids can understand this. But my friend was thankful that children's brains are growing and learning. And here's the ones that I added myself. Uh, driving my kids everywhere. I'm like my four kids Uber driver or Lyft driver. I drive them and their friends everywhere. <laughs> um, but it made me think, I'm so thankful we have two working cars so I can drive them. Soon my son will have his driver's license. Praise the Lord. He can drive himself. Um, the next one I said, Trump making the news again. Ah! Right? You guys can relate, some of you. Whether it's good or bad, he's making the news again. But I'm thankful that we live in a democracy where I, as a woman, can vote. Worried about someone being sick, I'm thankful that we have access to good doctors and hospitals. You know, Pastor Jen, who's in California, in California Cambodia, Earlier this year when they left, they had so much health issues. Their son, Caleb, who's under two, kept getting sick over and over. And they couldn't find a good doctor, a good hospital to go to in Cambodia. It was awful. We should be thankful. We have, we have great doctors to go to, people we can trust that can actually diagnose what the problem is. We have to have a different perspective. Remember, God doesn't discount your struggles or your pain. He sees it all. Paul says, we are hard-pressed on every side, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. It could mean financial or health struggles. It could mean your relationship not working out or not getting into the school you wanted or the job promotion you are expecting. It means being confused about to do with your life or being disappointed over and over again. But in contrast, the faith perspective, Paul says, is the but not statements. Paul is reminding us that even though we go through hard times, God doesn't leave us. We aren't crushed, he says. We aren't in despair. We're not abandoned or destroyed. God doesn't cause the pain, but he never wastes the pain. In his wisdom, the Bible says, God can use all our circumstances to grow us and make us stronger. Romans 8.28, most of us know is, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So look at the example of Jesus. 
It's only in his suffering that we were able to gain our freedom. God didn't waste Jesus' pain, and he's not going to waste yours. C.S. Lewis writes, God whispers to us in health and prosperity, but being hard of hearing, we fail to hear God's voice in both. Whereupon God turns up the amplifier by means of suffering. Then his voice booms. So take a moment this week. Check to see if you're fixated on your circumstances. Or if you're seeing with eyes of faith. Maybe even making your own list of circumstances. Versus eyes of faith. And pray that God would help us see with hope. And lastly, human eyes focus on the temporary, but eyes of faith look at the eternal. Verse 16 through 18 says, Therefore do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, I was at a wedding recently, and we just, you know, my table was shooting the breeze. We're talking about the age of the congregation, I think because one of our elders, uh, uh, Elder Charles, he ended up moving away to California and um, the joke was he was the, our oldest congregant, right? And so we're joking around, oh, I wonder who the oldest congregant is now. And we named a few names from all three services. Oh, who's the oldest? And then, um, and then as we were talking, the table realized, hey, I'm one of the oldest congregants in New Mercy um, because I'm actually seven months older than 1J, my husband, also making me the oldest member on staff. <laughs> and so the table kind of laughed awkwardly and then uh, got really quiet, like cricket, cricket. You could hear like cricket. And then the person actually apologized for bringing up the subject. Um, but honestly, I wasn't offended. I wasn't even bothered because, you know, I'm okay with being older. I have a 17-year-old son. It's perfectly normal to be 45 years old, right? Um, Sure, I have some more aches and pains as when I was younger, and I miss my 18-year-old metabolism or energy level that I had back then. But, you know, I'm grateful for my 45 years of life experience and wisdom. And, you know, the bone marrow lady, the cutoff was 44. Come on, <laughs> right? But actually, I'm, I'm on the bone marrow registry already five, year, five years ago, so I slipped in. <laughs> but I'm a lot more secure as a person than I was back then. And definitely, I don't want to go through that, oh, God, what is my calling in life? God, who should I marry? I don't want to go through that angst again, that emotional turmoil. I had so much issues with my mom about this. Should I go to seminary? Should I marry a pastor? I don't want to go through that again. I'm happy that I'm on this stage of, um, of that. 
But Paul says, outwardly, we're wasting away. Harsh but true words as we get older. Our bodies and our possessions, they really are temporary. Everything we can see, buildings, cars, trees, people will all break down and get old. But take heart. For those of us who are in a relationship with Jesus, put on your glasses of faith, and inwardly you can be renewed day by day. It's never a waste of time investing in your relationship with God or with people. Are we getting caught up saving for your retirement so that we have a comfortable future? There's nothing wrong with that. But are you stressing about it? Are you getting anxious? Is that all you're worried about? The Bible calls that foolish because you know what? We can't take any of that with us when we die. Our time on earth is but a blip compared to eternity. And how we choose to live those 60, 80 plus years will determine heaven or hell for you or for someone else. Spending time praying for others or meeting up to show someone love is investing in eternity. Doing your daily devotionals and worshiping is is investing in eternity. Telling others about Jesus and forgiving people is investing in eternity. And taking that extra step that will cut into your personal time or comfort zone to serve someone else, such as this bone marrow registry, as she shared, that is investing in eternity. You could be saving someone's life, giving them an extra 10, 15 years, and they can make a decision for Christ in that time that you've given them. You are investing in eternity. Seeing with eyes of faith will and should change how you spend your time, your energy, and your money. If you took Jesus out of your life, does everything except what you do on Sundays look the same? Does how you approach your job or family, your leisure time, or how you raise your kids, even how you grieve, does it look different? I hope so. I hope so as a Christian. It looks different. It should fundamentally change who we are inside and out, how we think, how we act. So ask yourself, Am I focusing on the light and momentary trouble? Or am I looking at eternal glory? Am I storing my treasures in heaven where the Bible says rust and moth cannot destroy? Let's pray and ask God for the glasses of faith so that we can live in light of eternity. Let's pray together. If we can pray, I have three points. Don't focus on ourselves or our weaknesses, but instead focus on the power of the gospel. Second, don't focus on circumstances, but instead focus on the hope of Jesus 
And lastly, don't focus on what's temporary, but see with eyes of faith what is eternal. And so let's pray about that. Ask God to show you what are some areas, what are some areas, God, that I need to die to so you can fully reveal yourself more. So let's pray.